Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. One thing that I want to get into as related to the Pittsburgh Steelers coming off of their minicamp sessions is probably the biggest position battle on the team that's happening between James Pierre and Justin Lane. And I know it's early, but that was the first time that the coaching staff was really able to get a look at either of those guys and really all the position battles that we anticipate happening when the team goes to St. Vincent's to start training camp ahead of the Hall of Fame game versus Dallas. And we can get into some of those as well as they are in their infancy. But I do think that that one between Pierre and Lane, for as long as they don't have another cornerback on the roster, uh, that they would go out and sign in free agency. That's the one that has some of the highest stakes. And the only reason I bring that one up right off the bat, because we kind of have an indication of where that one's headed right out of the gate. Mike Tomlin, you know, said that they have some tape and that they can teach and they can learn from based on these mini camp sessions. And the guy that he seemed to be confident in and the guy that he liked the looks out of was James Pierre. So, Early on, as the horses just leave the stable, it looks like James Pierre has the early leg up here on the position battle for the third defensive back spot. Well, I think we've kind of touched on that a little bit, and I think part of that is because, as, as Tomlin mentioned, and as you mentioned, Tom, um, there's tape on him. You know, he he played last season, and, and granted, in the beginning, um, you know, he kind of was a special teams guy and really – um, came out of nowhere. Uh, Tom Bradley was on uh, Stan Saverin's show yesterday, and he talked about that, um, that he really did kind of just come out of nowhere. No one really expected him to do that. And I think, you know, when you're in a, a position like Pierre and, and Justin Lane is, it definitely helps in Pierre's case because of the fact that there's a lot of tape out on him. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but there's a lot more tape on him than there is on Justin Lane. And, um, I mean, he played with the number one defense last year. That's and he really. I mean, we've talked about this a lot too. He's over. He overtook what we expected Justin Lane to do. You know, you expected Justin Lane in a pinch. Okay, well, he's going to play. You know, he's going to um, be that. You know, number three, number four corner, and he'll step up in certain situations for the Steelers. But it ended up being James Pierre. So that kind of gives you an indication that the Steelers were not only confident in him last year, because obviously they were, because his, you saw his minutes, his role increase uh, on the on the defense. Obviously, they thought higher of him last year, and it seems like he has the leg up this year because of that. Um, again, is it the is it the most comfortable um, you know position battle for the third corner? You know, between those two, no. But at the same time, at least you have somebody that has been there and played a little bit. And, I mean, the team seems to be really high on. I mean, again, like I said, kind of came out of nowhere. You don't really expect those sort of things to happen. But here we are. Yeah, I'm just glad it's Mike Tomlin in the head coaching position and not me because I feel like from what I saw personally, I you could switch up the numbers and you could switch up the names on the back of the jerseys, and I would have no way other than that to distinguish the play of Justin Lane versus James Pierre. But, again, I'm not the head coach. It's Mike Tomlin. And there's no one person, if you're James Pierre or Justin Lane, and in this case it's James Pierre, that you got to feel better about yourself getting high praise from. And the, the fact that he got the praise from Tomlin himself, I mean, that's got to feel like a huge accomplishment. And that's got to feel, as you guys laid out, like a huge indication that this is going to be 
my ticket, if I'm James Pierre, my ticket to the number three position on this death chart. He mentioned how, although he didn't play a lot of defense last year, this is Tomlin talking about Pierre, he had a helmet every single week, he prepared every week, and he was critical to their special teams, and that's usually the indication that a guy is ready to proceed in advance, and that's why he thinks it's reasonable to expect him to do so. It kind of does feel like James or Justin Lane is being kind of lost in the shuffle here, and that's kind of a shame for him because he was the third-round draft pick. The Steelers invested some pretty heavy capital into him, thinking that his potential would reach the point where in 2021, his third season in the league, he would be able to just have this job on lock right now. And that's clearly not the case. There's clearly going to be a position battle between him and Pierre. And like we said, right out of minicamp, you know, the first stretch of this thing, it looks like Pierre has a leg up on him. And it's not just Pierre that Mike Tomlin mentioned. You know, it was another second-year guy, Antoine Brooks, who was the sixth-round pick in 2020. He had an up-and-down season in 2020. You know, he was on the practice squad. You know, he was inactive multiple times in the games. But so not to the level of James Pierre where he's getting a helmet every single week. But he still has that room to grow and that potential. And just another guy that Tom mentioned as a second-year guy who has such a critical year. And I just think it's interesting that, you know, it seems like a lot of the onus is on these two guys from the 2020 draft class, one being drafted and one going as an undrafted free agent in James Pierre, as opposed to the guy they took with a third-round pick in Justin mm-hmm. Lane, who is the more veteran of the two people. So it, it does seem to me like Justin Lane, I mean – this could be a way for Tomlin just to motivate him. This could be, you know, Tomlin just saying he noticed from guys that he thinks are behind Justin Lane some good stuff mm-hmm. at minicamp that, you know, maybe this is going to be a closer race in his mind than he thinks. Or, you know, maybe this is really the writing on the wall and he's, you know, wearing his emotions on the sleeve and Tomlin's cluing you in that Justin Lane is really falling behind the pack here. And as far as Lane is concerned for his career – that's a very bad thing when you're still just on your rookie deal and you're falling on the depth. Chart. Yeah, I mean you're falling on the depth chart behind, as you mentioned, James Pierre and, and a six round, round guy and an undrafted. Right. Yeah. So I mean that 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 gives you some indication. Again, does that mean that you know this year it can't get better or this year it, it won't get better for Justin Lane? No. I mean guys sometimes thrive in bigger roles. Guys sometimes figure it out. It takes a couple years. We've seen that before here in Pittsburgh, mind you. I know it's a different position, but sometimes it it does pan out that way um and again it it kind of you know i don't want to have a negative spin on this but it goes to that you know worry that that you know steeler fans and got you know people in the media have pointed out over the last handful of years is the steelers inability to draft corners you know it's it's unfortunate and and i mean i guess the sixth round pick i guess is is outplayed the third round pick so i guess that that kind of doesn't work but then again it's a sixth round pick you don't exactly expect Mm -hmm. that person to beat out a third round pick but it has been a problem you know drafting corners for the Steelers I mean um, you know you you bring guys in I mean I know Hayden's been really good Nelson was really good here Um, but at the same time you haven't really had a a number one corner that you can trust or hell even a, a second corner that you can really trust for a while that you've developed that you've drafted in I know that that doesn't necessarily mean anything and all of this could be for not next year if Justin Lane plays well. You know, we're sitting here in June of 2022. This could be a completely different conversation if Lane does step up. But it is a concern and there is room for concern because of the fact that, you know, he's a third round pick and he's already it already seems like I should say he's been passed up by an undrafted guy in a six round pick. Um, 
it's not where you want to be if you're Justin Lane. And if you're the Steelers, it's really not where you want to be. I'm sure that they had more invested in this guy. They had more. Yeah. Uh, they had a better mindset. They had a, a bigger future, a bigger plan mm. for Justin Lane, I'm sure. Yeah, I'd like to take a trip down memory lane and just go down the past couple of draft classes. You're oh, go- please. You're going back to 2016, the first two rounds. You look at Artie Burns and Sean Davis, and next year you get Terrell Edmonds. The year after that you get Justin Lane, so on and so forth. They've been trying on the secondary for a while. So on and so forth, and it's just it's it's nothing against, you know, especially Terrell Edmonds. I don't want to be too hard on him, but it just seems miss after miss after miss All after of their miss. successful secondary players have come via free agency or via right. trades. Joe, Joe Hayden, Hayden, Steve, Steve Nelson, Nelson Mika Fitzpatrick. Exactly. Right. Those are the guys. Terrell Edmonds was their best draft pick, but we still don't know about him yet. And, you know, we always talk about how if a guy is taken in the first round versus second round, the expectations are so much lower than if they're taken in the second round. Look at Artie Burns versus Sean Davis. Everyone was so tough on Artie Burns. Sean Davis really wasn't that much better, but they were so much easier on Sean Davis. Quieter. Right, just because he was the second round pick. Terrell Edmonds was what, the 28th, 29th overall pick in 2016. If he's taken in the first couple of picks in the second round, five picks later, if he's 33 or 35 rather than 29, everyone is so much higher on his potential, saying this guy's only a second round pick and look at what he could become opposite of Mika Fitzpatrick. So, yeah, it's extremely frustrating to for the Steelers who who have such success drafting in basically every other position. In these past, you know, I went back to 2016 when Sean Davis and Arnie Burns joined the team. Go back those five years. Look at other guys that joined the team via the draft. T.J. Watt, now Najee Harris, uh, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Alex Highsmith. Juju. Juju. Well, I think Juju was 2017. That's still in that time frame. Oh, yeah, right, 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 right. right. Thank you. Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, of course. Uh, There's just so much better selections at, ev- at what seems like every other position offensive line Kevin Dotson it just makes your head spin that they can't get this one right they can't get either of these positions cornerback or safety right and then you look at this year's draft and there really weren't that many exciting names that pop out at you other than I'm I'm saying it, for the secondary position Trey Norwood at the very end of the at the very end of the draft I mean this guy's probably not even going to make the team. Well, the guy that actually excites most people is the guy that was an undrafted free agent again. Exactly. Shaker Brown out of Michigan State. And I know he wasn't mentioned really in Tomlin's little synopsis after camp of what's going on in the secondary. And he probably shouldn't be expected to jump into this position battle right away. But, you know, it's just another hat that is clogging things up, if you will, for a guy like Justin Lane. And it's another guy who is an undrafted free agent, a guy who wasn't taken as high as Justin Lane was. But quickly getting back to Antoine Brooks, uh, one thing that is playing in his advantage is he was the guy that saw some time last year in the slot position when Mike Hilton missed a significant amount of time. And Tomlin referenced one game specifically at home where he probably played, quote, 25-plus snaps on defense. And his college resume indicates he has capabilities in that area. We worked with him there in the past. He's had some success. He will be given an opportunity to grow and develop and display those skills. So, and then he went on to say that he's done a good job with it thus far. And 
when it comes to dividing the labor at the cornerback position, if you can have a guy and say it is Antoine Brooks step up and be that Mike Hilton role and really show that he has his, you know, he can reach his best potential playing in this slot position, just like Mike Hilton did. Mm -hmm. That helps so much more than having to change things around and say, okay, well, our third guy really shows that his potential can be reached on the outside. So we have to bump Cam Sutton on the inside whenever we want to go nickel. He has to play on the outside because that's where he's best. The best path for the Steelers would be if a guy steps up and shows his best path being the slot where you can just keep Cam Sutton on the outside 24-7 as the game rolls on. And when you do go nickel, Antoine Brooks is the perfect person to slide right in there. Right. So kind of an inside track, I would think, for the sixth-round pick last year when Tomlin is – putting a spotlight on his ability to play that Mike Hilton role and how he had to step in for that Mike Hilton role at times last year, starting in week nine against the Cowboys in Dallas. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely shown that he can play the, the slot corner role. And I think that is huge. I think it's big for the Steelers. So you don't have to move guys around as you alluded to Tom. Um, but again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be the Debbie Downer here, but again, it's it, you're, you're asking a six round pick to do that. And granted they, they do pan out sometimes, but it's, you know, it's just not exactly where you want to be. You know what I mean? You don't want to have to ask a six-round pick to do it. Now, granted, for the Steelers, would that be best-case scenario if a guy steps up and you don't have to move guys around? Absolutely. And if he of plays course, well, yeah. that that is the best-case scenario for the Steelers. You don't have to worry about moving your guys around in the secondary and, and um, you know, putting, you know, whoever, James Pierre, Justin Lane, or whatever, uh, whoever it is, playing a considerable uh, amount um, you know, as a true corner and moving Sutton around. You don't have to worry about that. Yes, this is their best track. This is obviously Brooks's best track because of the fact that he's played um, the slot corner role. And, and Tomlin, like you said, played 25 snaps in in one game at home. So he he's shown that he has some capability there. Um, and I think that's huge. Uh, and he will obviously be given the opportunity, as Tomlin alluded to. Um, but at the same time, it's just, you know, he, he can step up and I hope for the Steelers sake that he does. But again, it's it's you're just in a weird situation because you're asking a six round pick to do what Mike Hilton did. And, you know, I know that it, Mike Hilton is no longer here and he's not going to be Mike Hilton. Um, I, I know the Steelers know that he's not going to be Mike Hilton. But at the same time, it's a big ask for a six round pick. That, Absolutely. That's, that's it. That's Absolutely. it. Those are some huge shoes to fill. Um, if you're a six-round pick, and it's only, what, his second year. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that's that's a lot to ask. I mean, all the guys that aren't named Cam Sutton and Joe Hayden are going to be asked a lot this year. And that goes for Brooks. That goes for Pierre Lane. goes for everyone on the depth chart that aren't the two starters because none of them have real starting experience whatsoever. And the Steelers were just left in an unfortunate position to lose two cornerbacks in one free agency year. So, yeah, you can hope for the best and say one of them shines and you can easily rotate them like you rotated Cam Sutton and Mike Hilton the past couple of years. But in reality, you know that's not going to be what happens in all likelihood. So, some guys could maybe have a good game here or there, but in reality, you know you're going to have to be just going with the guy who has the hot hand at the time and you can't be too loyal to anyone. If, if one guy gets hot and then it gets cold, you can't be. Well, he, he got hot once, and he, he can get hot again. You just got to go with the right guy at the right time. 
it's not the only spot, like I mentioned, that has position battles going on, uh, including on the defensive side of the ball. The inside linebacker spot, you know, as long as Devin Bush comes back and is healthy, which everybody expects him to, he'll take that number one spot, no problem. Steelers need him to. <laughs> it's the yeah. number two spot that is a little up in the air. Robert Spillane seemed to have it when Vince Williams was uh, a cap casualty earlier in the offseason, but the two sides were able to work it out, and Vince re-signed on a one-year deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he is back in that inside linebacker room. There's also the addition of rookie Buddy Johnson out of Texas A&M. So, you know, depth definitely isn't an issue at the inside linebacker position. It's more of a question of who's just going to be the number two starter. Yeah. That's the position battle that's that's really reared its head. And, you know, Keith Butler talked about how, you know, they got to see how Devin Bush's knee is. They think he's going to be okay, and he's done a great job at rehabbing that knee, but you still just don't know how it's going to hold up. He also mentioned how the big test is going to be getting a few games out of him in the preseason, seeing how that knee goes, seeing how you can gauge where he's at. And then he kind of said that'll tell us how much we're going to play Vince, how much we're going to play Spillane, yeah. and then how much we're going to play Devin. Well, if Devin's knee holds up, you're going to play Devin almost 100% of the right, snaps. Right, so right, the question right. then comes down to how are you going to dictate the division of labor, as Tomlin likes to say, between Vince Williams and Robert Spillane. And, you know, we've been kind of going back and forth on this a lot, on who we feel is going to be the guy. Kellen, I think you think it's leaning towards Spillane. Yep. I I'm really stuck on the fence either way, and then it kind of hit me. Maybe they'll just be stuck on the fence either way. Yeah. Maybe we'll see a 50-50 split of this position, and that might not be the worst idea because – That's kind of what you saw at the end of the year yeah, last year. Yeah, when both of these guys, you know, Vince Williams – you just kind of expect he might lose a little bit of a step, even though he was one of the most prolific tackles for loss guys in the NFL last year. And Robert Spillane, you know, he's younger, but he still has some weaknesses. He's probably not as fast as Vince Williams, even still. And But he's good at stopping the run. They have their strengths. They have their weaknesses. Why not make it so you have a 100% fresh person at all times next yeah. to Devin Bush on that defense? And it's going to take a lot of symbiotic relationship building between Spillane and Vince Williams. They really have to get on the same page and kind of play a similar style. But if they can do that, then I think that's really the way you go about it. Because, again, even if you do that almost rotation at that second linebacker spot between Spillane and Vince Williams, you're really not sacrificing too much depth because as the season progresses, I expect Buddy Johnson to get better and better and better and to be able to take more and more onto his plate. Whereas if one of those two were to go down – then okay, you can forget the rotation, just go with one of them for the majority right. of the game, and you still have a guy in Buddy Johnson that you might be able to throw out there for five or six snaps. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously the, the idea, and that's the hope. And, um, you know, it, it's just, you're just still in a, it's it's a weird kind of spot because Spillane, as much as, you know, I think that he's the, the, the not that I think he's the answer, but I think the Steelers think that he'll be the, the starter come week one next to Bush. Um, and regardless of his limitations, which you mentioned, Tom, both guys have their limitations, both Vince and Spillane. Um, Spillane has proven himself. You know, I mean, it might be a small sample size. Last year is a small sample size. That's what Butler said, too. He was extremely pleased with the way he played last but he, year. But he, right, he did hold his own. You know, you cannot take that away from Robert Spillane. Regardless of what you think of him, you know, regardless of whether you think he's the answer next to Bush, I still don't think he is, but you can't take away that he – he held his own, you know, and um, and the same can be said for Vince Williams. Yes, he's getting older, but he's aged like fine wine. He's only got better with age. He's only gotten better the older that he's gotten. I know he's missed some games here and there, and last year was kind of weird because of COVID and everything, but 
He's gotten better and better as his career has gone on, but at some point that's going to slow down. And you're just in a weird position because both guys have proven themselves. And again, I don't really, we've mentioned this before, I don't really think that Vince came back to the Steelers thinking that he was going to be the number two. No. I really don't. And I mean, I'm not saying when that is. When you get cut, right. that's not going to be right. an indication when you, that. When you get cut and you're going to come, come back and be the number two, I, I don't think he would do that. I, I just have a weird feeling that's where they're going to go. But at the same time, if if they do that rotation, as, as, <clears throat> as you alluded to, Tom, he's basically a starter anyway, even though that he's. Right. You know, may, he might not be, or you know, he might not be on the field the first yeah. play of def, of defense. It's like how we talked about Mike Hilton, Camp Sutton, essentially right. being starters last year. Right, you, yeah. you're going to play a huge role, and and I think if they can balance that, I think that's their best that's their best equation to, for the linebacking core. Although um, the other team doesn't have to play to your to what your defense is doing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you put Spillane out there, that doesn't mean that the offense is going to run a draw up the middle or a handoff up the middle. Right. They're going to throw the ball against that. And the same goes for Vince. You know, if if he's out there, you're not just going to, you know, the the, def- or the offense isn't just going to hand the ball off. They're not just going to throw the ball. They're going to make you, you know, play your weaknesses. And the Steelers have to figure out a way to balance that. I mean, that's how football works. The te- You know, the other team can make plays too, but you can't just put, you know, you can't just put Spillane out there when it's running downs or, you know, first and 10 or whatever. And you can't put Vince out there when it's third and two or second and two, whatever. You have to figure out a balance. And the other the other offense obviously dictates that, too. But again, that is their best mode is to use those two in a in a combination. And then, as you said, Tom, you can throw Buddy Johnson out there every once in a while. Yeah, I mean, that's what you got Buddy Johnson for because even though you, Keith Butler may have been impressed with Robert Spillane and Vince Williams was brought back despite being cut, it's not like they're going to be guaranteed starters on any other NFL team. I mean, they, they are rotational players. They are guys who are going to fill in for a third position battle or a third roster spot as a position battle, and... It's the same thing we talked about with the cornerbacks. I mean, you're not going to just let the two guys who are already on the team battle it out. You're not just going to say, well, this is all we got. I mean, you have to address this in the draft, and that's what the Steelers did, getting Buddy Johnson. And I'm not going to say that Buddy Johnson is going to beat both of them out or one of the two of them out, but you can't just limit yourself to only two guys as your backups when both of the two guys aren't necessarily the greatest starters that you could have available to you. So... I think it's a healthy competition that Buddy Johnson could be added to, and I really don't know if any one of these guys stands out to me. I mean, maybe you could say Robert Spillane just because he kind of earned his spot last year, but other than that, it's for me, it's kind of a free-for-all. Buddy Johnson, being the rookie out of Texas A&M, Butler spoke about how they have to see what he can do, and the main thing that he illustrated when he talked was, you know, he's coming from college, and this is a faster game than college is. It's quicker. It happens fast. Everything happens fast here. So Buddy's going to have to get used to that. He's 100% right. I think it's even faster at that inside linebacker position. I mean, there's just so much cross traffic going across your face between yeah. slot wide receivers, tight ends who you know are bigger and stronger than you in some cases, but also move faster than you. That can be a very intimidating thing. I'm sure when George Kittle run, rumbles past you, it's, it's kind of scary to see. It's like mm-hmm. seeing a, a wildebeest in the wild or something like that. And, you know, quarterbacks are just a lot smarter than you're going to face in college. Mm-hmm. I mean, no offense to Buddy Johnson. He played in the toughest conference you can play in in college, but 
that Vanderbilt quarterback's not going to be picking out things that no that Vanderbilt know, quarterback isn't Baker Mayfield. That's what I'm know? saying. You're, he's not going to be picking out some things in your defense and the way that you're. You know, if you're three steps forward than where you should be, and Baker knows exactly what your defense mm-hmm. looks like, he knows, okay, I can run the ball right at mm-hmm. him because he's right. way out of position, or I can hot route right behind him and drop yeah. one right into a breadbasket, you know. So you have to be able to see that speed and, and adjust to that new level of the game. And it's so easy to do that when you're the fourth guy coming into right. this roster. And although we were talking about how nice it would be to have that rotation in front of them and kind of have two or three de facto starters in that inside linebacking room, Buddy Johnson can completely just kind of sit back and learn. And yep. not only is he going to be able to learn without the pressure of having to play significant snaps if everybody stays healthy and the only action he gets from the special teams unit, but it's not like he has to learn and try to get up to speed to be the number one guy. This is, this is a, the role for him that he should be able to reach is that number two person that can be in tandem with Bush for sure. five years from now. Right, right. And I mean, I think, as you said, he doesn't have to do that now. And I think, you know, he doesn't have to worry about that in, in 2021. He can learn from Vince and from Spillane. And, and, you know, hopefully at some point, you know, when, when Vince is gone, that, um, you know, you can look at Spillane and, and if your buddy Johnson think, yes, I can overtake him, you know, I can be the number two here. But the positive is, is that he doesn't have to worry about that right now. Mm-hmm. He can just worry about playing specials. And if he does get into a game, you know, I don't think that he's going to be a train wreck. You know, and I mean, that's tough to say because, again, we haven't seen him play a snap of professional football. But I don't think that he's going to be a train wreck. I think the Steelers see something in him for the future. And, I mean, if he does have to play considerable minutes, something has gone really, really wrong. But don't pull your hair out if, you know, if he gets into a couple games, if he gets a handful of snaps a game. That I don't think that's crazy. By any stretch of the imagination, I think I think that's their plan is, you know, if we can throw him in every once in a while, OK, we, you can live with that. But you don't have to worry about learning and, 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 you know, really growing into a role this year. Right. I think the difference between the two conversations we've had today between the cornerbacks and the inside linebackers is the guys that you're that we're talking about as a position battle uh, for the lower roster spot uh at linebacker, these are familiar faces. These are guys who have had significant starting experience with the Steelers. Robert Spillane, a little bit less so than Vince Williams, but compared to the cornerbacks, the cornerbacks have had almost nothing in terms of starting experience compared to the inside linebackers. James Pierre, very small sample size, but I guess it was a, a sample size large enough to, to please Mike Tomlin and get praise from Mike Tomlin. But in terms of significant you know experience with the team comfortability with the team comfortability being under the tutelage of Keith Butler the inside linebackers have a great advantage over the cornerbacks it's just you know you would kind of wish that one of those guys was on each position you have like a Robert Spillane and a Vince Williams at each the cornerback and the linebacker so that one guy who's in that position battle could say well, in case someone else doesn't work out, at least I can be there to like help them a little bit or make them feel a little more comfortable. Unfortunately, you have both of them at the inside linebacker position. They're both going to be saying to themselves, well, I've been with the team for a long time. I can help Robert Spillane. I can help Vince Williams. There's no guy kind of there in that position battle in the cornerback room to kind of help Justin Lane out. If it's Justin Lane helping James Pierre or vice versa, there's no one there to do that. You have all of the experience in the inside linebacking room. So it's just a tale of two cities, but 
at the end of the day, it's the same narrative. A couple of guys fighting it out for that third roster spot. On the next episode of Steelers Standard, we are going to debut a new feature here on the Standard called All Time Standard, where we look at the position groups in Pittsburgh Steelers history and talk about our top five from that position group. We're going to do quarterbacks to kick things off because what better group to start with than quarterbacks? So we'll do that on the All Time Standard on the next episode of the Steelers Standard. But thanks so much for listening to this current episode. If you want to check out any of our old stuff, you can go to Steelers.com, go to the podcast page, and click on Steelers Standard. For Jacob Recht and Kellen Gursky, I'm Tom Opperman. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.